Good morning to all of you. It's good to be with you, sharing the Word of God. I thank God I'm here. And for this reason, a little special reason, God woke me up early, so I got my study done early. So I thought, I'll take a 45-minute motorbike ride. And all I did was make one turn. I was going to go around the back of the Sonoran Mountains and go back to my home. And instead, I turned south on 85 and decided to go around the back of South Mountain and come back on 202. Well, that one little decision took about two, an hour and a half more time. And what happened is all of a sudden I realized, wow. And I, I, was, th- I was so thankful that we got back. And I hadn't been on that 202 bypass, but it was like, this is really cool. I, uh, and it really gets you back quickly. And I was praising God. But as we get to this point here with Nehemiah, we're going to see that Nehemiah also just made a couple turns. And in that, Every turn that he makes, it opens up a whole lot more ways in which the Lord is working, but we'll see other things here as we look at this together. The first thing we're going to see is the problem that Nehemiah encounters now at the wall. Remember, he's had problems before. Here is Sanballat, Tobiah, Gershom, all of their friends, and they were resisting the building of the wall. But now, Nehemiah is going to come to another unique kind of a problem. And here comes the burden again. Read with me if you have your Bibles. And if you don't have your Bibles, we have Bibles back here on a table. Bill is back in the back. He's holding them up. Anyone that doesn't have a Bible, if you want a Bible, you're welcome to get it. If you don't have Bibles at home, it's a gift to you from the church. God, we use NASB when we're teaching here like this. And you're just welcome, though, to to grab a Bible and follow. But the problem we're going to look at here in the first five verses is that there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brothers. Okay, all of a sudden the people are in, the problem is the brothers are divided. Here are men working at the wall, doing a good work for God, and they got divided. And there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were others who said, We are mortgaging our fields and our vineyards, our houses, that we might get grain because of the famine. Now, this is another problem. They're divided, but what was causing it? They had a famine going on in the land. And probably there was a drought, maybe a little bit like we're seeing right now in Phoenix. No water, no food, no crops. And the people say, we've got to eat and live. And so what's happening is they're mortgaging their property to be able to live. And so their brothers are loaning them money so they can live, but they're taking collateral. They're taking the papers. They get the house. And these people are now carrying a very big burden. The burden is on top of them. It's exceedingly heavy. And also, verse 4, there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax. And once again, you have not only food as a problem, it's short in a famine, but the king, the Persian king that was over the top of this area was taxing the people. And they had to pay it. And we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. 
Now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, our children like their children. We're all brothers. And Nehemiah is seeing this. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters are forced into bondage already, and we are helpless because our fields and vineyards now belong to someone else. You see what happened? Uh, those brothers were helping them, but they took their mortgages, their papers, their collateral with the note, and they charged them usury. We'll see in a little bit. It wasn't a lot, but it was still what was happening. It was only 1% at that time. Usury throughout the Bible could be, even today, could be a very excessive rate of interest. But it also could just simply be interest on a certain level. And these people had a real problem because they're at the wall, they need food, they give up their houses, basically. And these brothers take them. And now they own their brother's house. And they, there's no way to get out of that. And they're just crying out. And so Nehemiah, Nehemiah, doing a great work for the kingdom of God, comes to a place that he has to address this problem with the people. And whenever the great work of the kingdom of God is being done, no matter where it is, there will always be problems that come up. There just, there's no other way to get around that. Where Dev and I live, we live up here just, just in the, off of 303 and Happy Valley. We live in a little unincorporated area. Our house overlooks the Aqua Fria. Our backyard, we have, we have grass and a pool, but then it goes out over the Aqua Fria. And what we get there is we get some really beautiful, splendid views, but we also get these little creatures that come in. One is quail. And it's really amazing. It's really beautiful. These little quail come. And the quail themselves, we have tinted windows so we can watch them and they can't see us. It's kind of cool. But one of the things that's kind of really neat is when the quail bring their little teeny babies. And they'll come in there and you'll watch them. And those little teeny babies will just be hanging out with mom and dad. They don't have a fear in the world. And yet you realize if they get very far away from this, they're done. What happens if you fast forward those quail? And another, another thing we get there is the rabbits. And this time of year, we're getting little rabbits about this big. And there are some times at night, Dev and I can look out and see 20 rabbits out in our yard. Uh, there's a little secret to that. Your grass doesn't grow quite as well because rabbits like to eat salad called your, your lawn. But with that, what happens is you watch them begin to grow. And the day comes finally they come on their own. That care is released so they can be what they can be. Another thing we see in a, in a natural sphere is we will watch these balloons go up. And sometimes we will see on a Saturday or Sunday morning 10, 15, 20 balloons coming up from the mountain. And you know, those, it's pretty majestic. How many of you have ever rode in a hot air balloon? Raise your hand. It's, it's really kind of a cool experience. Yeah, we, Dev and I have done that. One of, our, one of Dev's uh, brothers came here and that was on their bucket list. So we headed up to Sedona and did, did the balloon thing with them. But one of the things with those balloons, as neat as it is with all of that power and all that strength, if you don't release those ropes, that balloon isn't going to fly. And it can stay there for a long time and 
you could be there and finally someone's got to untie the rope for that balloon to go up in the air. Now, what we're noticing here as we're going to study this is brothers were keeping other brothers tied down. They hadn't released them. They hadn't let them go where God would take them. And it's a, it's, a, it's a real deadly temptation, really, even in the realm of religious activity, is manipulation and trying to control and not allowing the Spirit of God to work in the hearts of people. But Nehemiah had a problem. And Nehemiah is going to come to the point, and he's going to challenge these people as he challenges us, let's be burden bearers, not burden makers. There were burden makers. They have the papers. It, you know, sometimes a burden maker, as you think about it, it starts good. Well, you give money. Here's $1,000. But then you put a hook on that. Matter of fact, one of the saddest things that I would ever tell you that happens in the mission field, because God has placed us in a lot of places in the mission field, is to watch wealthy Americans go into the poorest places in the world and put poor Christians in bondage to them through control. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be stewardship. But there is a place in every Christian's life we must set free because God has set us free. And we're going to see that deeper as we look at this. We've got to release. And this is where Nehemiah is going to go in this story. Notice at the end of the fifth verse, they said the daughters are now slaves. This is what happens. And our, some of the daughters were forced into bondage. And these are brothers to brothers. It's like they're in the same church. They didn't have church like this, but they were Jews. And we are helpless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. So Nehemiah has a response. You don't always see it with Nehemiah. You don't see that, that prophet side of him. But right here, for a little bit, Nehemiah just lets it go. It's like he just goes, bam. And he lets, he lets it go. And follow me in this response for about five verses beginning in verse 6. Nehemiah says, Then I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I consulted with myself. I wonder, well, was he consulting with God too or was this just him? You think about that. I consulted with myself and contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, You are exacting usury each one from his brother. Therefore, I held a great assembly against them. I said to them, we according to our ability have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now, how would you sell your brothers that they may not be sold to us? Then they were silent and could not find a word to say. Nehemiah called them out. And they couldn't come back. But we continue and we look at this further. Again, I said, the thing which you are doing, verse 9, is not good because you would not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies. And he, and he phrases that as a question in my translation. Because you would not walk in the fear of God? because the reproach of the nations are enemies. And likewise, I, my brothers and my servants, are lending them money and grain. Please, here's the appeal. Let us leave off this usury. Let go of the bondage, is what Nehemiah is saying. Don't 
allow that bondage to be there. You might have the right for that bondage, you think, because maybe in normal, but he's saying this is brothers we're dealing with. And Nehemiah simply says, let's lay off of the bondage. And really what I believe Nehemiah is really saying is just let God work. Let God do his work. Sometimes without knowing it, and money is one of those places that we can get in the way of God real quickly. Some of you out here in the congregation handle money for a living. And it's a place without knowing it, it's used as a hook. It's used as a rope. It's used as a some way to control. And this is what had happened that Nehemiah was dealing with. But he called them out and he says, this isn't right. Biblically, it is not right. And what he's going to really doing is, I've got to get you back to thinking about rather than being a burden maker, be a burden bearer. And this is so important to get this point as we're looking into this book of Nehemiah at this point. Because for a moment, you could almost look at this chapter a little like a, like a parenthesis, like time out. You can just hear all the, the, the craftsmen chiseling at the wall and working on all the... And they're getting close to done with the gates at this time. But all of a sudden, they got a problem. Time out, let's stop, let's look at this, let's decide what's going on. And what, what was happening, and this is really interesting to me, is a wall had came up within the wall that they were building between brothers and sisters. The enemy placed a wall there. And here these brothers were helping other brothers, and a wall came up within the wall. And Nehemiah is, here he is speaking of this, and he's calling them out, and he's saying, please, verse 11, uh, let us leave off this usury. Give, please give back to them this very day their, their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses. Give them back. Let them go. Also the hundredth part of the money and of the grain, the new wine and the oil with what you are exacting from them. Now, many people feel like here the usury may have only been 1%. Because if you look at, the, look at this passage, it says the hundredth part of the grain. Give that back. That one part you held back, give it back to them. And Nehemiah was, was challenging them, let it go. You put something up there that got in the way of the work of God. God's work was moving forward and suddenly something got in the way of God's work. And, and Nehemiah begins to speak about this. Proverbs 28-8 is a very blessed passage. You look at this and think about it. He who increases his wealth by interest and usury gathers it for him who is gracious to the poor. Just, just think about that. Is he saying that if we hoard God will just pass on somewhere else you just think about that let God work 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 in all of our hearts this way Matthew 23 and 4 now this is not about money but it's about religious Pharisees that were great they weren't burden bearers they were burden makers they were the ones that were calling out Jesus they followed him every step of the way trying to find him making a mistake they called out all of God's people because they weren't doing it right 
And there Jesus, speaking of the Pharisees, says, they tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. You see what he's saying? He says, these burden makers say it, but they don't do it. They got the talk, but they don't have the walk. They, got, they know how to articulate truth, but when it comes to flushing out truth in daily life through an application, they just put it in somebody else. And they lay a burden on them. And obviously, you know as well as me that that, that very behavior has discouraged so many Christians in so many pl- and, and unbelievers. They've looked at that and said, if that's Christianity, I want nothing to do with it. But here he says, they, here's another verse for you. Psalm 81, verses 6 through 7. And here it is that the psalmist David is saying, I relieved his shoulder of the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. You called in trouble, and I rescued you. I answered you in the hiding place of thunder. I proved you at the waters of Mirabah, Selah. And it's interesting, a brother between services came up and he had done a word study on Mirabah. And all the places where he could find Mirabah used was also a place that God did a mighty work. So God said, I proved you at the waters of Mirabah. I did a mighty work at Mirabah. And I proved you. you. But Nehemiah is simply telling these people, you've got to respond to what you've done. How many of you here have watched Ninja Warrior before? You know that, just that, you take it and you you see those those women and guys that are very, very skilled and very trained and they can do all of those acrobatics and they can climb the bars and they can go out over the water. But there is a truth in that lesson that I want to give to all of us when we think about burdens and carrying burdens. Because the longer you hold on the less time you have to stay up in the bars. You've only got so much time. And the strongest person, if you look at that peg bar, and if the strongest person misses one of those pegs, that must have been planned. You know what's amazing? This happened years ago. There's still water in the bottom of this thing. Don't worry about it. But... But the strongest person finally lets go. Burdens are that way. And sometimes when we're carrying burdens, we lay burdens on people. I think of the the lessons of the lesson right here. And here is these great finance people probably that were loaning the money and were carrying a burden. So we just shift a burden somewhere else. How many of you like to backpack? This is the time of year to backpack. Any backpackers here? Well, yeah, not too many backpackers. It's too hot. You've got to get up there high. But one of the things about backpacking that's interesting is it doesn't matter how strong you are. You can carry the, you can probably, some of you could carry 100 pounds for a while. Some of you here could carry 80 pounds for a while. I've done that. Some can carry 60 in the mountains. But when you get to those hills and it gets hot and you're climbing over those rocks, you'll stop. 
There'll come a time you can't carry that anymore. You've got to let it go. And burdens are like backpacks. What they are like is, is they're like weights that are on top of us. And the children of Israel here were dealing with that weight that was on top of them. It was weighting them down. They wanted to be able to help on the wall, but the, the weight wasn't physical like a backpack. It was emotional. It was mental. It was spiritual. It was that they were carrying inside because there was a lot of weight that they were carrying. And what Nehemiah was doing is he was challenging them that, that you have got to let go of that very thing that is holding them back. Have you ever thought of it like this, though? What's holding them back is holding me back. One of the burdens we carry as Christians oftentimes is the burden of unforgiveness. We're not going to forgive that brother, sister. We're not going to do it. So we carry a burden, and as we think we're placing a burden on them in owing us a debt, and what's really happening is we are going down with our brother or our sister. And Nehemiah here says, let it go. You guys might have thought you did a great financial deal here. You might have even thought, hey, under the guise of being a Christian, it was a great thing. But you got to let this thing go. It will not work. I believe that God intends to challenge his children even in the area of financial impropriety continually. Biblical stewardship is all through the Bible. You can, you can teach a sermon right here on biblical stewardship alone. But wherever you go, biblical stewardship is there. It's not yours, it's God's. God gives it to you, He wants it back. You clutch it, you hold it, it will get heavier, it will get heavier, and it'll get heavier. It'll wear you down. It'll rob you of sleep. It'll take the joy out of your life, the spring out of your step. The joy of the Lord won't be there anymore. Because we're carrying a burden that God doesn't want us to carry. And that burden gets heavier and heavier. I want us to notice though, those people heard Nehemiah. I read through his exhortation, his challenge, and they responded back. You'll see the response they had in verse 12. He says, they say, we will give it back and will require nothing from them. They said, okay, Nehemiah, you said it. We're going to give it back. We'll require nothing from them. We will do exactly as you say. So I called the priest and took an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. And what Nehemiah said is, okay, you said it. I'm going to hold you accountable. You said you'd do it. I'm going to hold you accountable. That's good for all of us in different ways. You said it. I will hold you accountable for that. And I also shook, verse 13, out the front of my garment and said, Thus may God shake out from every man from his house and from his possessions who does not fulfill this promise. Thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen. And look at the revival coming. And they praised the Lord and the people did according to his promise. And it's like the people said, God, I got it. It had been a blind spot. It was an area that I got caught in. I was enjoying doing business in this way. I got it. And then they said, amen. I love that. Here they are, at the, so probably just a little ways away from the wall. They probably laid down their, their tools at this time. And all of a sudden, they did according to his promise. Laying it down. 
the people responded back like this. They said, we'll let it go. We'll make that right. We'll take back the mortgages. We'll take back that. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to just come right across a church like this and say, if there is something that has not been done right financially, even as Christians, make it right. That's, that's a simple thing to say. Make it right. Sometimes that one step to make it right can be such a blessing. Maybe there's even a, an unbeliever that thinks you took advantage of them. Go, make it right. Just do what you can. If you can do nothing else, you can pray, you can love, you can forgive, you can be kind, but make it right. And Nehemiah is, is, is seeing these people say, we're going to be those people. You can count on us. We've heard from the Lord through this man. And we had a man in Nehemiah that was willing to speak the truth, even though it really hurt. And he let it go, and they said, you got me. You know, I, I, I didn't mention this in first service, but you know, an example, throughout the Bible, you have these men and women of God that were used so powerfully, but you know one of the keys of their lives, a little hidden secret almost everywhere, is they were called to lay it down, not once, not twice, not three times, not five times, not ten times. They, they were to lay down their rights, their, their privileges, everything, and follow Jesus. And it didn't matter if it was Peter, Peter's a fisherman, it didn't matter if it was Matthew's a tax collector, or it didn't matter if it was Abraham, when God come to a guy like Abe and said, get out of Ur. This is your family's land. Leave it behind. And you know what the Word of God says? Abraham just got up and went. And he gets over and runs into his own nephew Lot. And his brothers start quarreling kind of like this. And you know what God told, told him? Divide up. And you know what Abraham did? He just said, I'll choose the hills. I'll lay it down. And Abraham kept walking in his faith. If you, just walk, if you would study, I'm only touching a couple of those. If you'll study that in the life of a man like Abraham, time and time and time again, God told him, lay it down. His wife, Sarah, is taken captive by, by, by a king. Lay her down. She's not yours, she's mine. Go back, make it right. He did. She couldn't have a child. Lay it down. That's, those are my children. I'll do it my way. I will give you Ishmael. But again and again, God would do this. And finally, he gives him a son. And it's like, God has fulfilled his promise. And God just says, now, Abraham, go up in Moriah and just lay him on the altar as a burnt offering. That's all I ask. And Abraham did. And God gave him back his son. But you know what happened with Abraham? I believe in the depths of my heart is that son was no longer his. He was God's. When God asks us to lay it down, you can't take it back. If you do, there'll be no blessing. But these people, Nehemiah reached out to them and said, give it back and make it right. And they did. And it is a wonderful testimony of a group of people building on that wall. And when you think about this wall, Next week, we'll be going further into this in chapter 6. Pastor Josh will take 6, and I'll take 7. But we'll just keep on tagging this thing. When you see how God blesses that wall, never forget what happened here. Never forget other places where God worked. Because when you see the whole blessing of God, it's because men and women were willing to follow God at the expense of their own personal ambitions and their own personal goals. And God did amazing things. And here in this story, we are seeing that. Uh, this, this man, Nehemiah, that we're really studying through the book of Nehemiah, 
I've, I've taught on this before, but it has been a really blessing to me to see what depth of character he had, what um, conviction, what desire, what purpose of heart that he would just purpose, God, I will do it, and Nehemiah would do it. I want us to just for a moment, as I read down through the rest of this chapter 14, you, you'll find some more, but let's just look at some, some great character examples in the life of Nehemiah. You'll see them. We'll pull them right out as we go, go through this. Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor, this is Nehemiah writing, in the, in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 for 12 years, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. Nehemiah said, it may be a right, but I won't take it. It may be a fringe benefit, but I won't take it. And just let God speak to your heart. There's a place in every heart here that I believe there's a place that we, we discern and say, others can, I can't. It's okay. I'm not here to condemn others. They can, but I can't there. There needs to be spiritual discipline, inner spiritual discipline in the heart of God's children to say, just like Nehemiah, he said, I'm not going to take this blessing. Why? He had a work to do for God. And he, this man was uh, right possessed. And, and you can see later, he was blessed by God. You'll see that. But the former governors, 15, who were before me laid burdens on the people. This is no new thing. This burden maker and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people, but I did not so do because of the fear of God. Nehemiah says, I will not be a burden placer. I won't do it. I'm not going to make money off my brothers like that. Was he in a position to do it? He was in a position. Probably everyone here is in some position where you could just tweak something and it would work out your way. But that may not be God's way. You just think about that. Let God speak to you there. Let's continue on. In verse 16, I also applied myself to the work on this wall. He said, I'm going to be one of the workers. You got me. There wasn't five or ten people. There were hundreds and hundreds of people building the wall. But Nehemiah says, I'll lay a brick. I'll cue a stone. I'll be a worker on the wall. I applied myself to the work of this wall. We did not buy any land. And all my servants were gathered there for the work. He also said, we, we restrained ourselves financially to do the work of God. That's a testimony every Christian should have as the Spirit of God works in our life. Someplace we say no so we can say yes to God. That doesn't mean we turn around. We're going to see a little bit later something else on that that's really important to remember. But still, this is, we're seeing the character, the inner character of Nehemiah. That part that people don't initially see. People see the wall. They see everything around. But Nehemiah, he applied himself in the work. He didn't take any land. And all of his servants were gathered there for the work. Guess what? He was a team builder. 
He got the people together. He wasn't going to do it by himself. He wasn't going to be trying to be a superstar. He was going to be a team builder. He was going to work with everyone else. The way the church of God is powerful is when we work together and when we keep level at the foot of the cross. And then it is we can work together and big things can happen because two are better than one. Uh, Ecclesiastes said, a three-chord fold is not easily broken. But something else you'll see, verse 17 down 18, is, moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews. This is how many people he had at his table to serve, but he didn't take the king's portion. He had that much money at his people at the table, 150 Jews and officials beside those who came to us from the nations that were all around us. Now that which was prepared for each day was... Ladies, you think about this. If this was your house you, and, your, and Nehemiah comes and said, okay, I want you to fix one ox today and six sheep. And there's a lot of birds coming. And once a week or every 10 days, here comes all the wine. I mean, it was really quite a feast. But something you notice, Nehemiah was a giver. It looks like this was coming out of his own personal pocket. He was just giving. I believe some of the greatest gifts that have ever been given for the kingdom of God are not seen, first of all, and they are not anything that I expected, but they were just done in a personal way to God's glory. And God receives the praise. And then notice that he ends this, coming back to his first point, yet for all this I did not demand the governor's food allowance because the servitude of the people was heavy on the people. He goes, I wouldn't take it. I wasn't going to take any money at that point from the government. Now, these are things that I'm not here saying you don't take Social Security, you don't do this. No, but I'm saying there is a discernment that we see spiritually in Nehemiah's life that should be in the life of Christians as we make decisions and we choose to release burdens and choose not to place burdens at places. And oftentimes that, that when we can do that, God will bless in amazing ways. And as he finishes this, the 19th verse, he says, Remember me, O my God, for good according to all that I have done to these people. Oh Lord, I just wanted to bless them. That's what he's saying. I didn't want anything else. I think it was the Apostle Paul one time when he uh, spoke to the Ephesian elders, he said, I didn't hold back anything that was profitable from you. And my own hands labored with, to take care of these necessities. And I, this is where I want, wanted to be. This was the heart of this man who was building the wall. He was willing to go to that place and say, Lord, I'll just be the servant of servants. Lord, if there's two paths to take, I'll choose the lowest. And this is where this man was who is coming to us here and he's giving this uh, beautiful example. Well, Remember, the title today is Be a Burden Bearer and Not a Burden Maker. Galatians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 1. We're thinking about being a burden bearer. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the love of Christ. 
how can we be a burden bearer? You know, sometimes, have you ever been there? I think most of us have somewhere. Wow, just got all these things right now and all of this. But Jesus here says, bear one another's burdens. And I want that, by doing that, you're going to fulfill the law of Christ. Maybe this verse opens up the answer. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Speaking of Jesus, the great burden bearer, and he himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you were healed peter peter there as he's writing to all kinds of people with a lot of burdens he said i want you to look to jesus because he went to the cross and he bore your burden at the cross now what is the burden we carry so often I, I think of no burden any greater than the burden of sin. It's just, it, is so, it starts light. Sin starts easy. But it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. It's like the backpack multiplied. You carry it, you hide it, you run from it, you partake, and it just gets heavier. It just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And Jesus went to the cross to take away our burdens. Did he have a burden as he went to the cross? Oh, yes. You know, I think about the weight of the sin of the world being placed upon him, carrying a cross up Golgotha's hill. And it speaks about Simon the Cyrenian came and offered to carry that cross for him. But Jesus was the greatest burden bearer that ever, ever lived. But the beauty of that is that when we can grasp that, and believe in that and partake of that and say, Lord Jesus, you are my burden bearer and you have bore my sin at the cross. When we can say that, we can start bearing other people's burdens. When we can't, all we're doing is just carrying a bunch of big old heavy load that just keeps dragging us down. It just keeps dragging us down, 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 down. Here's a verse for us in Isaiah 58. Verse 9, Isaiah is prophesying in the middle of context of, of a spiritual natural fast. But, but he says, here, when you get blessed by God, you will call and the Lord will answer. When the burden is lifted off of you, you will call, the Lord will answer. You'll have answered prayers. That's one of the greatest ways to bear others' burdens is pray. Many times we can't do anything else but that. Many places, you know it right here in this room. You can't go here, there, or there. But you can pray. You can keep praying. You can pray for those grandchildren. You can pray for those children. You can pray for that neighbor. You can pray for that worker. You can keep praying. And God will bear that burden through you. But he says, you'll, you'll call, the Lord will answer. And he will say, here I am. And I love that because what that's just simply saying is, if you want to release your burden, you call out to God, and God will just say, I'm right here. Have you ever experienced that with me? I've, found, I've experienced that so many times. It's like, ah, oh, this week has been something. And all of a sudden, I say, Lord, take it all. Just take every bit of it. I can't take it. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough connections. But you do. And you know what happens? Boom. It lightens your load. It's over. 
You don't have to carry the burden anymore. He's carried that burden. And something happens then, but he says, here's another part of that. What, another way that you're, you can bear burdens is if you remove your yoke, the yoke from your midst, get it out. You've got to have the yoke out of your life. We can't bear other burdens, other people's burdens if we're carrying our own yoke that's dragging us down. It could be bitterness. It could be envy. It could be selfishness. It could be uh, covetousness. It could be all kinds of things. But if you remove your yoke, the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger, we've got to remove judgment. Judgment can't exist and bear others' burden. If that finger is going out condemning all those people that we could do it better for than they can do it, it won't work. You've got to remove the pointing of the finger and the last is in speaking wickedness. You can't gossip. I'll tell you what, the Word of God, if you want to talk about something off limits, it's really off limits. The Christian church has made it kind of this semi thing. It's not a semi thing. James says it like this, a fountain cannot bring forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. It will not work. You've got to stop the gossip. For those burdens to be a burden bearer, the gossip's got to stop. Don't matter how right it is, how concerned I am, or how much I know about the situation, we can't gossip. We can't do it. God won't bless it. He will stop all growth. And what's happening, instead of being a burden bearer, we're a burden taker. We're taking burdens on that are too big for us. We're carrying loads that are too big for us to carry. And Nehemiah is just telling his people, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. I mean, gossip is sin. There's no other word to use for it. It is S-I-N. It is a deadly sin because it deceives us because we think we're right. But we're wrong in the eyes of God. And God doesn't want that. And here it was that Nehemiah was, was coming to this place and saying, you know, I want you to do it. And these people say, we'll do it. And you know what he really said? He said, okay, follow me. And here he was giving a life of, of righteousness and godliness in his life in so many ways. 1 John 5 and 3. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments. There's another way that we're able to bear one another's burdens and His commandments are not burdensome. We live for Jesus. And we live for the Lord Jesus. We can carry Walk with our brother because he's walking with us. Oh, I love that, uh, that picture of the two, the two footsteps going out in the sand and finally you come to a place, there's just one. He's got us. He's holding us. He's keeping us. He's protecting us. 1 Peter 5 and 7, I love this passage. It has spoke to me so many times in my Christian life. Casting all your anxiety on Him for He cares for you. What He's saying there is you take those cares, you take those worries, you take those fears, you take those doubts, you take those struggles, you take those hidden sins, you take those secret things that nobody else knows but you and God. And it says cast every bit of it on Him, Jesus, because He really cares for you. And when we do, we we're, we're released from our burden so we can be a burden bearer and not a burden placer because we've been released from our burden. You know, when I was uh, probably about 40, 
had an experience where I worked for a railroad in Northern California, did $55,000 worth of work, I still remember, and went up there and worked all, all the way through Napa Valley. I didn't work, had employees doing it. I mean, but all the way through Napa Valley, all the way up to Mendocino, Mendocino County, never got a penny. And that was big for me, that was big. And I would send them back letters and I'd pray over those letters and I'd send another letter and I'd make another phone call and they'd tell me the checks in the mail and ask my forgiveness. And, and as time went on, I'd be studying for sermons and it'd just come back. Those people owe you 55,000 bucks. And I can remember the time that all of a sudden I was studying, it's like a Saturday, and God said, you got to lay that thing down and you got to let it go. And I can still remember writing that letter, and I didn't make a very long one, and said, this is not my money, it's God's, and, I, and I'm releasing you from all obligation to me. And on top of that, I had a $20,000 breakdown on the railroad property where a truck backed into a, a, what they call a derailer and destroyed the whole under part of my truck. So it wasn't 55,000, it was 75,000. But I remember taking that little letter and when it hit me to do it, I, I just did it. And the mailbox was like 100 yards away from my office and I walked out to the mailbox and I just dropped it in that box. And it was just like, it's over. I've been released. I don't have to carry that. And you know what? I, I say this before the Lord here. I might have not thought about that for two or three years till it hit me this morning in my studies. But when you release, you might have been owed it in your mind. You might deserve it. Some of us won't release our reputations. We won't release our images. We won't release our, our personal visions. But when you release it, it's over. It is over. And all of a sudden, the load is lightened. And that just began to be a story that God didn't take me to one or two, or, but many, many times the Lord would take me to that point and say, let it go for Jesus' sake. Just let it go. Just let it go. And I found something else always about that. God always provided. Always. When it seemed like something so big, God just took care of it. It wasn't there anymore. But if I carried it, it was something that was just going to, like that backpack, just keep weighing me down deeper and deeper till finally I no longer could be of service to Jesus like he'd want. I don't know how God is speaking to you all, uh, but I do know even in this message, he spoke to me at different places. And even Debbie, my wife, that was at the first service said, that's amazing, John, because you're just preaching today what we've been praying all the time. As you're right, that's just who I am. But if God has spoken to you and, and there's something there, I, I don't know how else to put it. It could be something, it could be a, a money thing, it could be a, a grudge, it could be a sense, it could just be a, a burst of anger. It could be, I hope they get their right deserves someday. If it's there, I hope they get exposed someday. 
if it's there, I want to encourage you to lay it down today with me. Right at Jesus' feet. Whatever that is. You know, what's amazing is when I took that little envelope out, it's probably eight, eight and a half by 11, took it out, and whatever, just took out the envelope. It was just a piece of paper. But it lightened my life. But something else happened. It became a journey of my life that God just kept showing me nothing was mine. Nothing. He gave me a lot of things to touch, but he said, it's not, it's not yours. And don't ever forget it. It's not yours. And it sounds kind of crazy, but he just say, lay it down for Jesus' sake. And we would, and we'd be okay. And I, I want to, as we think about just being a burden bearer, I don't know what that means for all of you. Prayer warriors, yes. Servants around a church, yes. Loving neighbors, yes. Forgiving people that have wronged you, yes. Unforgiveness is a really heavy, heavy burden. It really, really catches us. I have just worked with enough people to see that it just, it's like just a heavy load. It's like, it, it's gonna take you down quicker too. It'll create bitterness in your heart. It'll cause all kinds of selfish things to happen. But I think today what I'd like to do is just invite you as we close this service that where God has maybe spoken to you today, that you would just uh, stand up with me and we'll pray together and whatever God wants to be released can be released. But there is one other I want to mention before we pray, and that is, I'll tell you what, if you don't have Jesus, it's a tough time to live. It's heavy out there. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you turn, there's no hope. There's nothing left but Jesus. And if there, were there someone or several here today that you know who you are, yeah, you've been a church member or you've you came from a Christian home, but that isn't having Jesus. That isn't laying the burden on Jesus. This is the time to do it. Just to say, Lord, just take that burden. I can't take it. I can't. It will drag me. Well, it will take you to hell. That's what the Word of God says. Sin unconfessed and denied will take a man and a woman to hell forever. And whatever that burden is that God has laid in your heart, I just want to invite, invite you to rise and pray with me that the Holy Spirit would take away that area, that one thing, that one burden. Some of you men here, I say this as a man, struggle quietly with addictions. You don't know where to go. Let's go to Jesus first. To Jesus and let him set us free. And then it is we can be that burden bearer because we have placed our burdens on Jesus and he took them to the cross and he gave his life that we don't have to be burdened down. And when we're set free, 
we can bear others' burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's, if you care to rise with me as we pray, and Holy Spirit, I pray that as you're moving in this assembly and you're speaking to our hearts and you're whispering something that we know and we're hearing it, Lord, that you'll just take that burden away. We confess it, Lord. It could be fear, worry, bitterness. It could be porn. It could be sexual bondage. It could be so many things. It could be just envy. But Lord, whatever it is, Father, I... I pray that you'll take it away. We want to be a church just like that group of people that's clean, that's cleansed through the blood of Jesus, that's white as snow, Lord. We don't want sin to stand between us and you or between us and our brother. And Lord, we also want to be burden bearers. Oh, Father, if... If this is you today that with me says, Oh Lord, take away that, um, that guilt, that anger, whatever it might be, take it away. Well, as you prayed that prayer, Lord, to, uh, dear, there will be brothers and sisters at the door on the right side as you go out today to, to just get, bear one another's burdens to pray with you. If you've given... If you said, Lord, just take my life. What a mess I've made out of it. Just take me and make me what you want me to be. There will be brothers and sisters to be here and pray with you and show you more in the word of God and be, how you can become a part of a family. You can even be baptized publicly to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, I guess there's something that is heavy with me in this service. We don't know how many more times we're going to have this. It looks like the world is coming close to the end. And oh, Father, I pray that every person that's sitting here listening and thinking can make it right today, whatever that means, Lord. Make it right with you, with a child, a grandchild, a cousin, a relative, a worker, whatever. God, give us that grace just like those people and said, we will go and make it right. May your name be lifted up, Lord, in this sanctuary through these people and may you be exalted on high in Christ's name. Amen.